This is Susanna McMonigle, and you're listening to the 5 to 8 Shift Podcast. We are so glad that you decided to check us out. The 5 to 8 Shift Podcast exists to encourage, educate, and inspire parents throughout their own parenthood and family life adventure. We know parenting can be tough. I am not trying to sugarcoat it. But few worthwhile things in life come without some sweat and some hard work. And family life is worth every ounce of effort. We're building a community of parents to remind you that you're not alone and we are thrilled that you're here. Each month we highlight stories from our parent community and share the latest research and tips to help families thrive. If you like what you hear today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I believe family is one of life's greatest adventures, and I am so excited to chat with you today. I look forward to cheering you on in your own five to eight shift. It's the most important shift of the day. Hey everyone, this is your host Susanna, and welcome to another episode of the five to eight shift. I am so glad that you're here. I'm excited that you decided to spend a couple minutes of your week with me. I have sort of an easy light um, episode in store today that I have been marinating and excited to share. Um, But before that, I wanted to share a little announcement about the 5 to 8 shift. So our season one, which has been full steam ahead since the beginning of October, is coming to an end. So season one of the 5 to 8 shift podcast for parents will end on June 17th. So this is our second to last episode of the season, and we're going to take a break for a couple weeks. So I haven't exactly determined how many weeks that will be, but we're going to take a a break through um, July and probably the better part of August as my family has some fun things planned. And so what I'm going to do in the meantime between um, season one and season two, which you'll hear more about um, in the coming weeks, is rebroadcast some of the most popular episodes from season one. So if you follow us on Instagram, I will be highlighting each month on the sevens, um, rebroadcasting one of our most popular episodes. So we, um, all of our episodes obviously do really well because you guys are a loyal audience, but there's a couple that I am going to reshare over the summer. So those will come out on the sevens across the course of July and August, and then we'll kick off season two at some point when I decide to do that. (laughs) That is the beauty of running your own podcast. I will let you know and I will announce it at that time and um, I am not beholden to anybody. So pretty awesome. But on that note, it has been such fun running this podcast. And so I am just, you know, I love the guests that I had on. I got some great feedback. I have some great ideas for season two and it's been a lot of fun. It's been such a highlight of my month. And, uh, you know, it's been a crazy year for our family, uh, adopting Kyler in the fall of 2020, going back to work with three kids and working on a couple side projects, one of which is this podcast. So that said, um, today is our second to last episode, June 7th, and then our last episode of season one is going to come out in 10 days on June 17th. And um, I'm probably going to do a little giveaway on Instagram to go along with that, which you will want to be part of. So I'll announce that um, at my own Instagram handle, which is Susanna.McMonagle, and also on the 5 to 8 shift Instagram as well. 
So we'll try to get some good traction here on our way out of season one, but it's been great. And so today I have something for you guys that I have been cooking up, uh, marinating over the last um, couple weeks, especially over the course of the spring semester. So uh, a little background on how I came up with this idea. So as most of you probably know, I'm a professor and I have my PhD in media and communication. And so I want to try to share more value with um, my community and the listeners around different sort of media tips for families, media tips for parents. And this can look all kinds of different ways. Um, you know, today I'm going to be talking about some Netflix documentaries that are fabulous that I think every parent should check out. But, you know, a lot of what I teach my students is about media literacy and this idea that when you understand more about who owns the media, who pays for the media, how that thing that you are looking for keeps showing up, the magnitude with which we are tracked online setting boundaries for our kids, talking about when is the best time to give your kid an iPhone. And I'm going to share a little bit about that today when I get to um, the third documentary that I am going to be sharing about today. And so, you know, one of the things that a lot of people look for information for online and on Instagram and all these different things is really that interpersonal communication. The idea it's one-to-one. -one. So how do I relate better to my spouse one-to-one? -one? How do I as a parent relate better to my child? And so for example, my last podcast episode with Dr. Anne Louise Lockhart, episode 25, she did a great job talking about things that parents can do to model better emotional regulation for our children. That's a lot of interpersonal communication. What I have a background in is not that. <laughs> I have, um, you know, I have 10 years of, 10 years plus really of a background and looking at the impact of media. And so I've looked a lot at, for example, Twitter and, you know, the influence of building your faith, using Twitter, using a platform to build connections. And I've recently been learning more and talking with my students more about media literacy and then also media in the families. So definitely for season two, I'm going to be talking about this, but I'm going to be trying to share some more tidbits, really sort of marinating a lot of the things that I've been doing research on over the last several years and channeling that into building some tools and some tips and some takeaway for parents. And so today is a little bit of my guinea pig in that arena. So... How can I point parents to some fabulous resources? And so today I want to share with you guys three documentaries every parent should watch. And the truth is, there are so many good ones. And I said to my husband, Chris, recently, I'd like to be more intentional with some of the things that we watch on Netflix, which is crazy because we haven't watched any TV for the past like four or five weeks because there's a lot of things going on here. So there are a lot of great resources out there for parents, but I thought, you know what, most people have a Netflix account or access to a Netflix account. Let's sort of start here as a way to think about some different mediated resources that I think would be really helpful for parents. And so the first one is called The Beginning of Life. And so I really wanted to share something with you guys about a little bit behind the science of the parent-child relationship. And The Beginning of Life is such a good one. 
So here's just a couple of tidbits to sort of tee you up to what it's about. So the Netflix little spiel about what it is says scientists advocates and parents around the world explore explore how carefully tending to kids earliest needs can shape the course of human society and so this is a brazilian documentary it's actually from 2016 and it some of the interviews are not in english so they have subtitles for some of those and then a lot of it is in English too. But it says the beginning of life uh, emotionally brings to life the science behind the importance of loving relationships in a child's early years. Interviews with experts are interspersed with footage of parents and children from nine countries across four continents. The film was publicized by leading brands of baby products, including Johnson & Johnson, um, Kimberly Clark, who runs Huggies, and a couple other big brands. The film was also adopted by UNICEF um, as part of its Global Early Childhood Development Campaign in 2017. And so this is a documentary. It's about an hour and a half, and it goes through various developmental aspects of a child's life and it really highlights the importance of having a loving caregiver and how that not only benefits the child you know just because they feel loved and all these things but like it's scientifically you know builds more for example brain connections right and so the more that they are sort of cared for or well looked after really the more brain connections that they make and therefore they're learning more they're exploring more and you know the the point of the film is you know these are this is our next generation and we have to take it very seriously and there's things we can do to better pour into these kids and so a couple of the takeaways that I really liked from the documentary, um, right at the beginning, it says a child with high self-esteem is willing to take more chances on learning new things than children who do not have as high self-esteem. And so I thought that was really interesting when we think about really, um, you know, your kid wants to show you something and they say, mom, look at me, look at me. And this idea that, you know, as parents that can that can get old quickly. I'm sure anybody listening to this is very aware. But this idea that when we show them that we're very interested in what they're doing, it builds their self-esteem and therefore they're more willing to be risk takers in the learning department and be more explorative. One of the other things from the documentary said, one of the critical pieces of brain development for a child is the back and forth with a caregiver. So not just working with like yes or no questions, but rather engaging your child and asking follow-up questions. And so they make the argument in the document documentary that the more you sort of have this conversational back and forth with a child, even if they're, they argued, you know, before they can even put sentences together, you know, the child says, dad, dad, and you say, where's dad, dad? And then they point over there. Is he in the playroom? Is he in the basement? Is he, you know, but you're, you're, you're sort of helping them develop this language than saying, dad's not here, you know, and that's the end of the conversation. I don't want to give too much about this part of the documentary away, but they there was a physician interviewed in the documentary that she talked about how the role of the mother is different than the role of the father in most families. And it was so interesting because I feel like we live in a world where physicians or people are saying any caregiver can do anything, you know, or and um, it just was quite interesting. She talked about the child's relationship to the mother, the mother models how much support the world will give 
that child. So if you have a very present loving child, then your child expects the world to sort of be like that. If you don't have a present mom, then you have a more cynical way of looking at the world. And then it talks about the father doesn't really have that same role in the early years of childhood. The father actually has more impact in helping the child see life beyond the connection to their mother. So obviously, you know, with childbirth and nursing, and that is a lot of really intimate experiences in the beginning of life. And the father is saying, hey, hey, there's much more, um, you know, there's more to learn. There's more to explore. There's more people. And I thought that was really, really interesting. So I don't want to give away too much. You guys will have to check it out yourself. And one of the things that I was sort of blown away with, which which goes back to the idea of um, having that conversation with your child, helping them learn things, building high self-esteem into them. There was this one part in the documentary where it talked about the gap between children who come from, they called them the poorest communities or welfare communities versus they said the affluent or professional families is what they said. And they said the difference between children who come from a poor family and a professional family is that by age four, they have been exposed to 30 million fewer words. Let me say that again. So what the, um, I'm flipping to my notes here, what the, the, um, the expert on the documentary said was that if you're in a four if, if you're in a poor family you, you there's a lot less conversation going on and so by your fourth birthday you have been exposed to 30 million fewer words and then another expert came on and she said so when teachers think kids get to pre-k or they get to kindergarten and it's an even playing field she said, in many ways, the cards have already been stacked. The deck has already been dealt because these children have been, you know, their experiences so far have been extremely different. And so, you know, when I heard that 30 million, that was that was a very big number. And so, you know, she talked about it's not insurmountable, um, but like filling the gap, you know, working with a kid, being present with a kid, volunteering with a kid after school. She's like, you know, when words are free and this is something we can really do. So anyway, it was a really interesting documentary. I love the focus on relationships, but also the scientific piece of it and really sort of, in my opinion, elevating the work that parents do because any parent out there knows that it's not that sexy to be a parent and to, you know, wipe butts and do bedtime every night and make food and try to keep people happy and turn them into not terrible adults, um, but there was a lot of scientific research behind some of these things and, and why we should do them and how we should put more value into some of those things. And so that's the first one on my list. It's called The Beginning of Life. It's on Netflix. It's from 2016. All right, so my second documentary I wanted to share with you guys is probably one of my all-time favorite things I've ever seen on Netflix ever and I tell anybody who will listen to me to watch it and so it is a documentary called The Call to Courage with Brene Brown. If you don't know Brene Brown you can send me a DM later thanking me for imparting this fabulous knowledge with you. She is so wonderful. She has written five number one New York Times best-selling book. She is a researcher from Texas I have read her book, Daring Greatly, which is fabulous. And really, I picked it up because a colleague of mine 
uses it in one of her classes and she one of the chapters that she wrote about in that book this idea of daring greatly was about wholehearted parenting actually was the last chapter and it talks about daring to be the adults we want our children to be and so I devoured the book last summer. It was amazing and she is just so well-researched, well-read and she tells the greatest stories and I'm also right now reading Braving Braving the Wilderness which is from 2017. So so this is the little blurb from Netflix. It says, with humor and empathy, Brene Brown discusses what it takes to choose courage over comfort in a culture defined by scarcity, fear, and uncertainty. And so a couple other things here. It says Brene Brown has spent the past two decades studying courage, vulnerability, shame, and empathy and is the author of five number one New York Times bestsellers. Talking about her documentary, it says this is a conversation about the, in quotes, uncomfortable things, vulnerability, shame, fear, leadership, having courageous conversations at work, at home, and with strangers. So here's the background on Brene Brown. So she was a somewhat well-known researcher, probably in some of the academic circles. And so she did a TED Talk that went absolutely viral. And so at the last minute, she usually gives a speech kind of on the same thing that she's kind of known for. And so at the last minute, like maybe the day before she's supposed to give her speech she scraps the whole thing and she says you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna do my TED talk on vulnerability and being vulnerable and she said she had the biggest vulnerability hangover of her life she said she had total regret because you know it was something a little outside her comfort zone and she had shared some personal things and her husband said eh you know what nobody will probably watch it you're fine well it is like literally one of the top 20 most viewed TED talks ever made it has 40 million views and it it obviously has very much resonated with people and so this sort of catapulted her definitely into some of the more mainstream um, work that she's done and so this sort of put her on the map and so she did this TED talk she did another TED talk she works with a lot of companies and so Netflix um, recorded one of her speaking engagements and it's fabulous she is so smart she is so funny the topic is so engaging so she talks a lot about this idea that vulnerability and courage are connected and we think they're not we think courageous people they're not vulnerable they don't um you know they're they're just so brave but really brave part of being brave is that you're a little scared to do it right if 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 you weren't a little scared it just would be like getting out of bed in the morning right it just would be like brushing your teeth but when you're brave when you decide to quit your job or ask somebody out or uh you know pull your kid out of one school and put him into another school or you know have a tough conversation with your boss or with your spouse those things take courage and so she argues that vulnerability and courage are very closely connected. So her special highlights the links between courage and vulnerability which she describes as in quotes having the courage to show up when you can't control the outcome. And so she talks about a couple things here and so I have really three favorite parts of this but Y'all, when I was watching this, I was like 17 minutes in and I stopped it and literally went and got a notebook and took notes and started it over because it was so compelling to me as a parent, 
truthfully. And as a person who has dreams and goals and feeling a little bit vulnerable about putting myself out there and can I do this and can I show up well? And and, and so it was so inspirational. So this is like a little snippet from something she talks about. She says, after stumbling across an, or this is from an article, after stumbling across an inspiring quote from Theodore Roosevelt, three things became clear to Brown. And this is what she says. She says, first of all, some inspiration. She says, I'm going to live in the arena. I'm going to be brave with my life. I'm going to show up and I'm going to take chances. And then she says, secondly, vulnerability is not about winning. It's not about losing. It's having the courage to show up when you can't control the outcome. And this is one of the things that she said that really resonated to me. And she said, if you are not in the arena getting your ass kicked on occasion because you were being brave, I am not interested in or open to your feedback about my work, period. And so she talks about this idea. You know, she did this TED Talk. It was this big stage and all these things. And she said, you know, all these people who've never left their couches had a lot of feedback to give me. And she said, hold on a minute. You know, after she had this big vulnerability hangover and really let herself kind of go reading some of these negative comments people have written about herself. And she realized until until somebody else is putting themselves out there, they're being equally courageous as I'm being, they get no say, right? And I think that's just such great feedback. It's almost like I equate it to like when somebody who doesn't have kids has a lot of feedback on how you're parenting your kids. Oh, well, have you thought of this? Or like, oh, you know, you know, Maybe you should put your kids to bed earlier. Why are you feeding them that? Or like, I can't believe you give a French fry to a 10-month-old. And you just want to say, listen, when you have kids, you come on back and we can have a conversation because the truth is until somebody's been there, you know, they don't always have the, the credibility to sort of speak into your life. And so Brene Brown, she, you know, I love this part where she talks about if you haven't been there, if you yourself are not being courageous, you cannot speak into my courageous um, journey. And she talks about, she talks about, so she's done a ton of research. She's done all these interviews and focus groups with all kinds of different people. And she said, in the end, joy has risen in her data set as the most vulnerable human emotion. And she said, we're so afraid that if we let ourselves feel completely unfettered joy, that something is going to come in and take that away from us and we'll be hit with pain, trauma, and loss. And she says, as a consequence, we try to dress rehearse in air quotes, tragedy to feel better prepared. But she says to experience more joy requires a conscious choice then to show up for it, to practice it, to allow it to become a familiar thing. She says we must find a way to just do the joyful thing. And so she said the research participants in her studies that had the ability to really lean into joy, they shared one thing in common. And she said they practiced gratitude. And so, you know, um, in some circles, gratitude is talked about a lot. But I think when you're really intentional with gratitude, you know, having a gratitude journal, doing weekly gratitude um, write-up, you know, seven things I'm grateful for this week or doing it every day or thinking about it in seasons. She said these are the people who really experience the most joy. And I don't want to, I don't want to tell you the whole story, but she tells this incredibly powerful story about her daughter. And this is really why, you know, one of the reasons it ended up on my list, because the truth is, I think every human should watch this documentary. I really do. It's so good. I, I tell everybody, I just love it. I love her style. She's witty and she's funny and she's so smart. 
But really, she tells a story about how you want to pass that courageousness on to your kids. And that can be difficult because we live in a world where where bulldozer parents, you guys know what bulldozer parents are, so um, it's, or snowplow parents. So it used to be um, helicopter parents, right? So they would hover. They would hover a lot and they'd make sure everything kind of worked out the way it was supposed to. They were in the know about everything. But now we talk about bulldozer parents where I get in front of my child and I bulldoze anything that could possibly get in their way. I make sure to knock out every bully, every cyber bully, every teacher, every coach who doesn't make life easier for my kid. And so Brene talks about that this is the, you know, this is not really the best, this is not the best way to do it. But what we want to do is we want to teach our kids to be courageous. And so she tells a story about her daughter who's on the swim team and she doesn't want to go to a tra- uh, a meet and they, they make her go because, you know, she signed up and she was going to finish it. And, um, and really the courage to just show up that day, even though the, the daughter knew she probably was not going to win and she was probably not going to do very well. And it's a fabulous story, you know. It's such a good documentary. I cannot recommend it enough. And I think it will give you a lot of food for thought as a parent, as a spouse, um, you know, in, with members of your family. But it will also sort of inspire you to maybe chase a dream you've been thinking after or to change a little bit the way you parent um, some of the challenges that are coming up for your kids. And, you know, this idea that we can teach our kids to be courageous and that's an incredible skill for them to have. You you will come away from this documentary very inspired and with some great takeaways as a parent. All right, and the last documentary that I wanna to talk to you guys about is called The Social Dilemma. So I'm hoping that some of you guys have heard of this. This came out in 2020, it made a pretty big splash. And full disclosure, I assigned this as an assignment in two of my three main classes this semester and it was a runaway hit. So, you know, these are 18, 19, 20, 21 year old students who, in my opinion, do not have a good understanding of the big, big, big machine behind their little app on their phone. And um, my students, they don't understand the nature of which they're being tracked, of which their data is being used, and how sort of it can manipulate the way they see things, the way they see themselves. And so the social dilemma, it's, it's part documentary investigation, and then there's part narrative drama. So they have a lot of um, ex-tech people, literally people who are at the beginning of Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, come on to the documentary and talk about things they were talking about behind the scenes. Well, how do we get a young person to stay on Facebook longer? You know, and those of you who are my age or older, you can remember Facebook didn't always scroll. That wasn't always like a thing. Um, you know, when the, when the, it used to be called the wall, your newsfeed was originally called the wall. 
And when the wall came out, we thought, oh my gosh, look at all our information's everywhere and people can see things. But really, it was a way to get people to stay on longer rather than clicking over to different pages. Well, now I could just get all the, the updates in one. And so they're constantly thinking of ways for people to spend more time on the social media apps. And it is incredibly compelling. If you, if you are a parent who, who, you know, if you are a parent living in 2021, you should watch this. Full disclosure, it's probably going to give you nightmares for mm, maybe one to three nights. Um, you know, the first night I watched it, I just, I could not go to sleep because I just, I was just so concerned about how we can impact real change when these big guys are so big. And, um, but one of the things I really like about the social dilemma is it depoliticizes some of the things that are happening behind the scenes. And here's what I mean by this. So sometimes I'll have a conversation with somebody and I'll try, I'll be trying to tell them, well, you know, when you clicked on that article, Facebook served you another article like that one. And then when you clicked, kept clicking on these articles, you continue to see sort of one side of the story because this is the way the algorithm works, particularly on Facebook and Instagram, but it it shows you more of what you like. So if you're not careful, you will only see things that line up with exactly how you feel. And we know that there is a lot of fake news um, perpetrating a lot of our um, a lot of our social media platforms. And so I talk to my students a lot about fake news. I talk about how to spot fake news. I talk about looking at the source, looking at if other um, reputable news outlets are covering similar things. Are you only reading headlines and then assuming you know the whole story? Are you looking at where the website is based? So this huge story came out when Trump was running against Hillary, that there were all these fake websites and they all came out of Vellus, out of Macedonia. They had nothing to do with, uh, you know, they weren't Russian. That was like a whole separate thing. But it basically was because these kids could get so much money by people clicking on the articles. They got so much money from the Google ad networks that were on their website that they just kept putting out content um, that was more ridiculous than the next one because it got clicks and they got paid. There's a great video that I show my students, maybe I'll share it on Instagram, that just talks about it wasn't because this guy wanted Trump to win or wanted Hillary to win, but the money was so lucrative. And when you lived in Vellus, you were making 20 times what your peers were making by sitting behind a computer and pumping out some of this fake news. And so what I really like about the social dilemma is it, it's it's not about Trump. It's not about Russia. It's not about Biden or the Clintons or Obama. Because sometimes when I have this, this conversation with people, it becomes political. Well, if those Trump people just would stop, you know, sharing stuff that wasn't true. And I'm like, mm, it's not just the Trump people. Or they say something like, well, the Democrats, they just, they just have an agenda and they don't want anybody to, you know, do anything for themselves or anything like that. And I'm like, mm, it's, not, it's not just the Democrats. The problem is really the social media apps themselves. And so... And the interesting thing was, I watched this documentary the day before um, the people stormed the uh, Capitol building in January. And so at the very end of the documentary, they talk about this idea, you know, this one guy, the, the interviewer asks him, he says, so what, 
what's the worst case scenario? What happens? And the guy goes, we literally have civil war. And he says, because nobody has a shared version of truth. You're on your side, we're on our side, and we can never see anything the same. He's like, and even worse, we can't even have conversations about where we might be wrong, where the gaps might be, what can we agree on? Because we are so divisive. He's like, and literally, these social platforms are going to create a civil war. And then literally, I see the next day, people in the United States of America storming our Capitol building. And I thought to myself, my God, this is this is, this could really be a lot worse. I mean, this, this is happening. And so I think because it's not political, because they use this sort of drama piece in it, it is so powerful. It is so incredibly powerful. And so they show this family who's really caught up in some of the, the web of using too much social media. I'm not sure if I'm appropriately selling the social dilemma, but it is so compelling as a parent who is going to have to parent in the world of technology. It is, honestly, it was a gut check for myself about how much time I'm spending and what am I doing with that time? Am I okay on the trade-off on some of the things that, you know, big tech knows about me or my family? And so it's so good. Once again, bring, <laughs> take notes. It's so good. If you have teens, watch it with your teens. To recap, First documentary, The Beginning of Life, 2016 on Netflix. The second one is The Call to Courage with Brene Brown. Um, I think it came out in 2019. And then the last one is called The Social Dilemma, which just came out at the end of 2020. Again, as a media professor, I assigned to all my media classes this semester. And honestly, the students had, I literally canceled my entire lecture for the day because the students had so much they wanted to unpack and share and bounce off of each other. We spent the entire class period talking about the documentary because it moved them. They were, their eyes were open. And it, from my perspective, it was really, really cool. So I'm going to do this again probably in season two because there's so many great documentaries out there and there's things, you know, I didn't want to do like a typical parenting documentary, but I wanted to bring in different facets of parenting like technology, like teaching our kids to be courageous and like bringing in the science about the importance of building relationships into your kid when they're young in hopes that um, this is, you know, sort of a little uh, little bit of a well-rounded approach to your parenting. So, y'all, thank you for being here. I hope you guys have a great week. Again, last episode of the season is coming out next on June 17th. I hope you guys have a great day. Thanks again. Thanks for listening in today. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Be sure to share with us on Instagram what you liked most about the episode by tagging me at Susanna.McMonagle. And lastly, if you want more information about the 5 to 8 shift, you can check out our website, the5to8shift.com. We'll see you guys next time.